0: optimal psychology and moral, faith, intellectual, and ethical development. Within optimal psychology, the nature of the upper stages of moral reasoning, faith, intellectual, and, and, and ethical development can be further clarified through an exemplification of the conceptual system on which their achievement depends We begin with a discussion of the role of optimal psychology within the domain of Orthodox Western psychology, then transpersonal psychology. Next, we examined the relationship among conceptual systems, behavior and ethical standards by examining the concept of development in terms of nation behavior and cultural evolution we shall act on our conclusions that we must move beyond the constraints of a suboptimal worldview by now looking at the higher stages of faith, moral, intellectual, and ethical development through a cognitive developmental approach, African-centered cognitive developmental approach. The theories, Kohlberg and Moritz, moral development. Lawrence Kohlberg argues that a reasoning about moral issues occurs in a developmental sequence in as much as stages of moral development represent qualitatively different patterns of reasoning about moral norms, that is life, law, legal justice, conscience, family affiliation, contract, and property. According to Gibbs stages of development also represent new thought operations internalized schemata of action logically or philosophically formalized systems in equilibrium and culturally universal patterns Gibbs views follow the stages of development theorized by Piaget Kohlberg's stages of moral development represent a quant qualitatively different way of reasoning, occurring on a
1: hierarchical sequence of six stages. To discern the developmental stage of moral reasoning, two or more
0: conflicting norms, for example, commitment to family versus commitment to the law, are presented, and an individual is asked to make a decision about the action he or she would take and then explain the decision. The explanation or reasoning behind the selection is the key to understanding the developmental stage of the individual. Kohlberg's classic Heinz dilemma is an example of such a juxtaposition. In this dilemma, the subject is asked to respond to the following situation. Heinz's wife is dying of cancer, and in their town is a druggist who has developed a drug to cure cancer. The drug costs more than Heinz can pay, and since Heinz cannot pay the druggist for his efforts in developing the drug, the druggist refuses to give it to him. Heinz does not want his wife to die. Should Heinz steal the drug to save his wife's life? An affirmative or negative response by the subject must be justified. Therein lies the key to understanding the subject's developmental stage. Kohlberg's six stages of moral development represent a progression in reasoning from simplistic ego-centered structure of the stage one, doing right to avoid punishment, to stage six reasoning, Patterns that is based on the universal principles of justice and love. Martin Luther King's justification for the civil disobedience has been described as a state six reasoning, inasmuch as King believed that certain universal principles of justice override the civil laws of a society or a subgroup. When civil law conflicts with universal principles, Individuals must choose to follow the law or disobey it. According to its hierarchy, stage six reasoning suggests that the universal principles of justice and love supersedes Kohlberg's stage five considerations of the just society. Kohlberg suggests the extension of his scheme to a seventh stage of moral reasoning in which the individual would seek answers to such questions as, why be moral? Why live? In the seventh stage of reasoning, an individual seeks to understand his or her relationship to the world order of societies and humans and to the cosmos. Colbert states, its essence is the sense of being a part of a whole of life and adoption of a cosmic as opposed to universal humanistic stage six perspective. Here, Is diunital logic, the union of opposites at work. Universal law requires adherence, and morality is necessary, is a necessary basis of life. Many researchers would suggest that because the upper stages of development are not empirically evident, they do not exist. However, in our society, where such high value is placed on a suboptimal epistemological process, empirical evidence of optimal reasoning would be scarce. I suggest that empirical evidence of an optimal system would not determine its nature or prove its existence. Fowler and faith development. James Fowler argues, that faith development occurs within a developmental stage framework, similar to Kohlberg's scheme. Fowler distinguishes faith from religious affiliation by referring to faith as an individual's orientation to an ultimate environment, or what the individual feels to be the most important part of his or her life. While religious affiliations represent a commitment to a societal institution, or set of values. This point is analogous to Kohlberg's distinction between moral reasoning as the justification for action when two or more of the moral norms are juxtaposed and morality as a set of values by which individuals choose to live. Both Fowler and Kohlberg see faith development and moral reasoning as developmental sequences distinguished from traditional faith and morality. Faith is more than just a religious affiliation with a particular societal organization, and morality is more than a set of individual values. Fowler defines the six stages of faith development. Similar to Kohlberg's stages of moral development, Fowler's stages represent qualitatively different ways of reasoning about faith. The stage, definitive aspects include locus of authority, symbolic, and conceptual functioning, role taking, and extensiveness of identification and prototypical challenges with which faith faith must deal. Fowler's stages represent a progression from stage one faith development, dependence on and deference to parents, surrogates, family, authority figures, to stage six faith development, universalizing faith, in which the individual becomes aware of the ultimate context of life and seeks to integrate his or her being through a sense of the cosmic. Individual functioning at stage six transcends apparent conflicts within society, understanding the role of the conflict these conflicts play in the larger scheme of existence. In other words, opposites are unified, contained, and transcended through diunital reasoning. Conception of self affirms our multidimensional nature. Oneness is realized. Fowler's stages of faith development indicate the extensiveness of identification at each stage and how an individual would deal with role taking. This brings us to the importance of understanding the parallels between faith and moral development. As an individual progresses through stages of faith and moral development, empathetic understanding broadens. Concern for moral justification is at first egocentric, thus
1: ultimately includes considerations related to moral justification, and the cosmic order. In faith development,
0: role-taking begins with an extremely limited ability to take on the role of the other. It progresses, however, to taking on the roles of subgroups in society, and then transcending apparent conflicts between subgroups in recognition of an ultimate state of existence in which viewpoints are understood as expressions of the larger cosmos. This expanding ability and role-taking a process of self-knowledge is the key to understanding the parallel between moral and faith development and the shift in conceptual systems that occurs across stages of development.
1: Perry and intellectual and ethical development. As we seek to apply
0: optimal psychology, we find William Perry's work on intellectual and ethical development in college students helpful in explicating the higher dimensions of psychological development. Perry observed the development of students who had apparently been socialized from a suboptimal conceptual frame of reference. As we follow Perry's observations, we observe that it is necessary to switch conceptual systems to reach the upper stages of moral and faith development. Perry's forms of intellectual and ethical development in the college years describes nine positions or stages of development extrapolated from interview data collected from college students, freshmen to seniors, who span several age groups. Through the inductive process, typical methods used to surmise developmental schemes, Perry's nine positions of development assume a Piagetian structure. Each of the three positions of development is rooted in a subset of three positions, dualism, relativism, and commitment. These function as filters for processing information, Taylor describes the schemes of Perry's original work. Dualism. The first three positions are characterized by a dichotomous structure from which the world is viewed in absolute either or terms. It is assumed that truth is known and information is processed to fall nearly into one of two categories such as right and wrong, good or bad, and so on. Perceiving the world from one of the structures, the students view authority figures as the keepers of truth from whom he or she must learn. Thus, reliance on authority instead of one's own ideas becomes a method of learning and decision making. In position one, the world is viewed through the structure Uh, that is free from conflict as uncertainty is not perceived. Unable to imagine the existence of more than one answer to a question, everything is absolute. Truth is accepted from the authorities without question. They are always right. Position two, in a limited fashion, diversity and alternate possibilities are recognized. Truth is known to the the authorities who now introduce uncertainty as a way of helping students learn to find truth on their own. Some authorities who do not seem to know all of the answers are as a consequence of the dualistic structure deemed wrong. Position three, some truths are not presently known even by authority. Uncertainty becomes more uncomfortable. Authorities cannot be expected to know all the answers. Confusion and anxiety push the student to hold tightly to the notion that the authority will lead the way to finding the truth in the future. In the next subset, relativism. In positions four, five, and six, knowledge is viewed as as relative because of the dualistic structure is discarded in recognition of numerous possibilities. Uncertainty replaces absolutism. Authority is released from its all-knowing position as the student's ideas gain equal status. The search for the right answer is abandoned and dependent on the context. A variety of answers is considered. Position four, here begins the shift from uncertainty and reality perception. While in some areas truth remains, there are no answers or criteria by which to distinguish one's opinion or one opinion from the other. Learning for con- focuses on thinking about thinking or practicing with their guidance the way of the authorities and the way they want us to think. Position five, all knowledge is viewed as relative and contextual, as opinions can be judged better or worse depending on the existence of supporting evidence. Introspection and detachment are possible for the first time, and authorities are now only those who have experience and competence in groping for the truth within a given context. At the same time, the ability to evaluate and choose provokes the fear that one's opinions are being narrowed. Position six, the acceptance of a relativistic world in which infinite context exists is accompanied by the realization that choosing is essential to avoiding disorientation. One must affirm self-identity by establishing a personal context the need for commitment is recognized,
1: but not yet acted upon. And the last subset of three stages is commitment
0: in relativism.
1: Characterized by the development of commitments,
0: no restric- restructuring occurs as it does in other positions. The individual takes responsibility for making choices and for affirming self-identity in in many areas of life. That is the style and content of identity. So position seven, marking the point of initial commitment is in some aspect of life, such as career, relationships, or values. Commitment is based on a genuine exploration of alternatives. Commitment is initially viewed as something restoring some order to one's life. Position eight, additional choices emerge regarding how to carry out initial commitments. The issues of responsibility and of a style within which to implement commitments becomes a major focus. With the acceptance of the infinite nature of choosing comes awareness of
1: relativism in its fullest sense. Position nine. The integration of commitment and lifestyle is
0: determined by implementation of commitments commitment is recognized as ongoing. If in our society, the college educated represent the intelligentsia of our culture, we may assume the limited capacity of Perry's findings, which would exclude the population at large. For the college student, however, unless a conceptual system switch takes place, a commitment to relativism, will not lead to the higher stages of moral and faith development. No restructuring occurs after the stages of relativism. Consequently,
1: when the stages of development bypass, the conceptual switch answers and criteria by which to distinguish opinion is
0: absent. The ability to evaluate and choose is feared as narrowing of options, and we must search for a context within which to affirm self-identity. While commitment restores order, the restoration is enhanced or limited by the quality of commitment. The absence of a basis or a standard of ethics is once again noted and very much needed. Piaget outlined four stages of cognitive or logical thought development. In the initial stage of development, sensory motor intelligence, the individual's behavior is primarily motor. It is believed that the child age zero to two does not think conceptually. Pre-operational thought ages two to seven is a period of language development and the child begins to think conceptually. Logical thought is first applied to concrete
1: problems in the stage Piaget calls concrete operations. Age seven to 11, formal operational thoughts is, are the final period,
0: the last stage of development. In this stage, ages 11 to 15, in which the individual begins to apply logic within various contexts of problem solving. Regardless of the age ranges that correspond to the levels of development identified by Piaget, studies show that much of the adult population falls within the concrete or formal operations reasoning structures. Reviewing the literature uh, on formal operational thought in adults, King notes that it is apparent that a rather large proportion of adults do not e- evidence formal thinking, even among those who have been enrolled in college. It is necessary, however, to reach Piaget's fourth stage, formal operations, in order to also function within the parameters of Perry's relativism, not to mention the higher stages of Kohlberg's moral development and Fowler's faith development. We're beginning to see how the problems of reaching the higher stages of psychological development are compounded long before we approximate the upper reaches by inherent limitations of the suboptimal worldview into which we have been socialized or are being socialized. Commitment to relativism itself may create a suffocating trap when we continue to see ourselves in the finite and limited terms of individual form and external criteria. Either Fowler or Kohlberg claims to have provided a closed-ended developmental process of faith or moral development. Further stages of development may exist. These will have to be clarified through more theorizing and research. Our challenge, however, is to understand the nature of the upper stages of development and how they differ from the preceding stages in terms of philosophical assumptions and principles. Clarification will help us understand the developmental process. The optimal conceptual system is useful in comparing the philosophical assumptions of the developmental stages outlined by Fowler and Colbert. Albert defines a conceptual system as a pattern of beliefs and values that define a way of life and the world in which men and women act, judge, decide, and solve problems. Traditionally, Western social scientists and educators have recognized only one conceptual system, their own, the European-European-American one, that worldview based on the suboptimal conceptual system. However, as we have seen, other worldviews and conceptual systems exist, and we shall further our knowledge considerably as we take them into account. Ontological assumptions and their implications for moral and faith development form one of the most important differences between the suboptimal and optimal conceptual systems. The optimal conceptual system assumes that reality is at once spiritual and material. All things are interrelated. The material realm is merely that reality that is the most outward manifestation of the spiritual. This corresponds to the ontological assumption on which Kohlberg and Fowler base the upper stages of development.
1: Optimal ontological assumptions fully integrate the human and transcendent, or in the moral development terms, the humanistic stage six and the cosmic
0: stage seven perspectives. On the other hand, the suboptimal view rests on the ontological assumptions that reality is primarily material with only a secondary spiritual aspect. This premise correlates to the ontological assumptions that anchor the lower stages of moral and faith development within which the individual seeks to construct a world based on parent, family, community, state, society, and nation ideas. Moral, faith, intellectual, and ethical development as the movement from the suboptimal to optimal. Progression across the stages of faith and moral development is a transition from the suboptimal to the more optimal conceptual system. The core philosophical concern Kohlberg's theory of moral development and Fowler's theory of faith development is the relationship between the self and other. Kohlberg asserts that one way of addressing or understanding the transformative or transformations that arise in the development of moral judgment is to view such transformations as relationships of society's roles and expectations to the self. In his earlier work, Kohlberg proposed that ego development or ego strength is an important dimension of moral character that serves as a bridge between moral judgment and moral behavior. Kohlberg suggests that certain features of ego development and ego structures are more general than and are embodied in moral structures. This self represents an individual's definition of life space or most relevant context of existence. Other represents an individual's unrealized or irrelevant context of existence to the degree that an individual's conceptions of self and the other male higher stages of human development are realized. To the extent they are separated, they are not realized. Perceptual relationships of self to other changes throughout life. For example, in as much as child is dependent on parents, the parents are the child's most relevant context of existence. As the child grows, the relevant context of existence is expanded to include friends, teachers, and others to whom the child looks for love affiliation, and respect, and to whom the child may begin to feel some responsibility. The role and indeed the definition of the authority figure changes as the child's relevant context of existence expands through experience to include larger social groups, societal and or cultural groups, the world as humanity, and ultimately the cosmos. As this development takes, takes place, the definition of self expands, while the definition of other and a relevant content of context of existence diminishes. Definitions of self represent at first the finite and expands to the infinite as a sense of oneness is achieved. Initially, the suboptimal view of the world or of the self is egoistic, egocentric, and the ability to conceive of one's responsibility to family, community, nation, and world is limited. A sense of responsibility grows, however, as the sense of self broadens. This is supported by theories and research of Selman, Gibbs, and Keegan. Each researcher studied human growth from a similar theoretical perspective and supports the notion of an expanding context of responsibility as a primary dimension of life change. Operating from the optimal perspective, self is expanded to what Nobles calls the extended self. The extended self includes all of the ancestors, yet unborn, all of nature, the entire community, and infinite self. An individual's perspective is not just personal. Kohlberg refers, in effect, the expanded sense of self in his 1981 volume on moral development when he describes the nature of a potential stage seven of moral development. It is when we began to
1: see our lives as finite from some more infinite perspective that we still It is when we begin to see our lives as finite from some
0: more infinite perspective that we feel despair. The meaninglessness of our lives in the face of death is the meaninglessness of the finite from the perspective of the infinite. The resolution of despair, which we call stage seven, represents a continuation of the process of taking on a more cosmic perspective whose first stage is despair. It represents the shift from figure to ground. In despair, we are the self seen from the distance of the cosmic or infinite. In the state of of mind, metaphorically termed state seven, we identify ourselves with the cosmic or infinite
1: perspective itself, the value of life from its standpoint. This description of the transition into a
0: metaphorical stage seven is congruent with our own viewpoint of the transition to an expanded, extended self, or transition from a suboptimal to an optimal conceptual system. In addition, such questions as why be moral, why live, and how should I face death? are not unique to post-conventional stages of reasoning or the universalized stage of faith. Instead, we propose that these questions become the figure as opposed to the ground in light of the expanding sense of self and a
1: diminishing sense of the other. Ultimately, figure and ground unify at the height of development.
0: The unification of figure and ground, spiritual material, human and transcendent, and humanistic and cosmic provide the basis for a cosmic or optimal conceptual system. Kohlberg's seventh stage and Fowler's sixth stage of development represent the full evolution of an individual within an optimal conceptual system
1: as can be rendered within a Euro-Western cultural framework. Preliminary implications for education and psychology. The educational implications of optimal psychology for moral, faith, and intellectual and ethical development are far-reaching. Now, in addition to moving to the stages in the traditional way, a broader educational context within which we are actually taught to examine our belief systems,
0: are introduced to an alternative and explore
1: the consequences of both for daily experience and how they can be envisioned. We shall discuss such an approach in terms of psychotherapy belief systems analysis in education. Educational systems can
0: utilize this information by assuming a more holistic approach to knowledge and realizing the important role the conceptual system plays in the generation and assimilation of knowledge and in moral and faith development. Also in part three, we will elaborate the relevance of the optimal conceptual system in contemporary life and family function. From the framework of an optimal psychology, several specific recommendations are in order. One, stress cosmology as an overriding framework in which technical information and skills can be made more meaningful. Two, use the spiritual material worldview toward which modern physics is pointing as a mechanism for making a cohesive, unified reality evident in day-to-day functioning. Three, continue to illustrate the interconnectedness of all things by pointing out their interrelationships. Four, establish another area of dialogue about which the role of identity and self-worth in human interaction and development exists. Five, explore the worldview of various cultures and the ramifications of identifiable differences. Six, emphasize the similarities of various conceptual systems, examining their manifestation and maintenance within the context of history. Seven, encourage creativity by suspending previously imposed suggestions of restriction and limitation. And eight establish a standard of ethics that is entirely internally consistent. The link established by optimal psychology between the late stage, later stages, higher stages of moral faith and intellectual and ethical development makes the implementation of these recommendations not only feasible but essential. Myers discusses in great detail the importance of an African or Afrocentric worldview for pluralism and education in our society. Clearly, an interprofessional model of education would manifest a move toward optimal higher education. In interprofessional education, the classroom would provide the context for the examination a specialized knowledge by students and specialists from a variety of disciplines. In such an educational system, faculty and students would be taught the skills of examining their belief systems and the belief systems of others in order to come to professional decisions that would benefit everyone and society as a whole. Collaboration, not competition, would be the professional focus. Thank you. I'm ending for today, and we'll pick up part three, proven through practice, at our next offering. That will be on page 67. Welcome to our conversation today. Our focus will be on understanding an Afrocentric worldview, introduction to an optimal psychology, and this week we will focus on Chapter 6, which is Optimal Psychology, Moral, Faith, Intellectual and Ethical Development. And this is such an important topic. Uh, when I wrote about it at the time, uh, very concerned about what researchers were saying relative to um, the status of Euro-Western culture. And uh, Dr. Garvey and I today will discuss some of the points that they made. At that time, uh, whether it was uh, Kohlberg talking about moral development or Fowler talking about faith development or Perry talking about intellectual and ethical development, they all had to concede that the culture was very much, very limited (laughs) and underdeveloped in these arenas. Now, being mindful, this was the late 80s. I don't know that we've become more developed, but um, we're certainly seeing the fruits of the undevelopment with the kind of uh, things that are going on um, in the country today. Your thoughts, Dr. Garvey?
2: Well, I don't think anything has has changed in terms of the European worldview over the last, Let's say a thousand years. <laughs> yeah, certainly we know it hasn't changed over the last five hundred years because we know that we've they've gone from enslaving people to colonizing people to this um, concept of, of globalization, which is really um, reaping or raping the resources of the world to satisfy the the, the needs, shall we say? No, it shouldn't be needs, it should satisfy the wants of a few so that the wealth of the universe um, is concentrated in the hands of the, you know, the top 5% of the people, 100% of the wealth of the universe. So no, nothing has really changed. And I think it's important though uh, to look at the, 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 the method of socialization in terms of the culture itself, because that, that is what produces um, the, the individual. And then, and then of course, that's what produces the society. How this society um, replicates itself it replicates itself through an, an educational and, and socialization process and the education is the spearhead of that but also you know the religion in terms of um, what the religious beliefs are in terms of the, again the belief systems of the particular group and you know if if you, if you look at the western ideology well, first of all i think you have to whatever um, a group of people that you look at, um, um, uh, it's always a group of individuals. So we have to start with in some sense with the individual. Now, I think in terms of Western culture, it begins and ends with the individual. The individual is a standalone entity. And um, 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 the, the individual, is, is based on shall we say mind and body meaning that the, the the individual has certain sensory organs that brings information from the outside world if you will to this mind which is located in the brain because it's considered that mind and brain are the same so so on uh, the entity derived from this mind body complex, is really the ego. The individual is the ego. So, so everything in the West is, is an ego um, based psychology, you know, in terms of functioning of the individual. The, 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 the individual then um, as an intellect, which is what mind is considered to be, and it's pretty much in its totality. Um, it then um, um, utilizes the information that's brought from the outside by, by, the, by the five senses. And, and it uses it then to um, uh, create an environment so that the ego can be satisfied based on pleasure. Um, the ego seeks pleasure as opposed to pain and um, you know, or is indifferent because it doesn't matter. So those are the three things, pleasure, pain, or um, ignoring what is there. And ignoring also means ignorance or stupidity because it means you're not aware of what's going on. So we have the pleasure principle and and the avoidance of of pain. So pleasure is is desire and and wanting things and, and grasping things and clinging to things and trying to make things happen. This is what that is all about, for the benefit of ego. Or in terms of avoiding things, in terms of pain, you avoid things that you dislike or are painful, and you're afraid of them, or you're angry about them, or you destroy them, or whatever. So, so those are the responses based on this ego identity. It, it, it's desire and pleasure, or it's, it, it's pain and avoidance and fear etc. And, uh, and, and, and this we, we see, you know, manifested in not just individual, because then the individual makes up the society. And then you can see that the society then is an acquisitive society. And because it's made up of these isolated individuals who all want to acquire, it's therefore a competitive society. And, and, and therefore it's a society that is in conflict with itself. And, and I'll just stop just there a little bit and contrast it with, with an African society, if you will, that is made up of individuals, but the individual is not just a standalone individual because it's not based on just mind body, it's, it's, it's based on spirit. And, and this is the important thing about the difference uh, because spirit is something that unites us all because the spiritual basis of the individual is also the spiritual basis or the basis of reality. And of course, nowadays, you know, the Indians call it the Akashic Field, if you will. You know, we we we, we call it Amun uh, in, in terms of that, or or a um, uh, new and non-next, or, you know, in, in terms of our kinetic uh, civilizations. But the basis of, of, of the individual is spirit. And, and, and spirit is identical with source, uh, which is source for everything. So the individual is not disconnected from other individuals or from the society. And, and the individual finds his uh, expression, shall we say, or meaning within the relationships with other individuals as family, as community, as nation, as tribe. So, so so, that meaning derives from relationships. Absolutely. Meaning does not derive from acquisition.
0: <laughs> very different, very, very different. And I think the reality of which you speak certainly reflects the fact that that suboptimal view, wherever they got it, however they got it, mm-hmm. uh, is not changed, probably isn't going to change, But I think the opportunity for African people and those who are desirous of uh, a different reality, the opportunity for them to go back and fetch and adopt that optimal worldview of their ancestral heritage is probably needed now more than ever, because as we're looking at what's going on in society, um, I think this chapter more than anything lets us know we really can't depend on following people who have never advanced probably a tenth of the level to which we as African people have culturally. And I loved what you said, Dr. Garvey, about the individual and the collective, because um, in optimal psychology, we talk about the multidimensional self. This My sense of self cannot be separate from those who came before my ancestors, or those who will come after future generations, or nature or community. It's, that's who who I be <laughs> and as, um, as my being becoming, I'm interested in uh, my being becoming uh, more knowledgeable, getting more wisdom, more understanding about all those dimensions, particularly in light of how I can best facilitate our growth and development to conscious realization of who we are as divine spirits. So it's such a different, a way of being in the world and one to which I think we cannot get back to quickly enough, particularly as we look at um, the things required for um, that kind of reality and not the least of which is our capacity to deal in truth. And we know in this social context, some in leadership would even argue there's no such thing as truth. It isn't a matter of whether a thing is true, it's whether or not you can get people to believe it which leads us to the whole issue of um, the imperative that we use our own minds to create that which we desire and not rely on the culture because the culture we find ourselves in as people acknowledging African ancestry is toxic Mm -hmm. and pathological and can only lead to, well, not just, lead humanity to destruction because there is, no moral grounding yes. and no capacity or limited capacity for moral reasoning.
2: The, the tragedy about that, uh, Linda, is, is is that we as a people, to a significant degree, have, have, have bought into that suboptimal psychology and suboptimal worldview because it is the dominant worldview and it has been dominant because we have been conquered. The the tragedy is that um, we've said something about this. We have been disconnected from our past. But the tragedy is that, you know, many of us talk about equality saying that we want to be considered equal within that society that has been created by the suboptimal <laughs> worldview, With, Within that society, and, 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 and that philosophy, and that psychology, and, and that um, uh, 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 economic system that has enslaved our people, colonized our people killed millions of our people, and continue to oppress us.
0: That's true. But
2: we want to be equal <laughs> within you. that system. Now, you know, um, that, that is, um, <laughs> well, I, I'm going to say the height of madness, but since I'm talking, <laughs> you we have it's to true. say, if, if maybe it's neurotic at least, can we say it's neurotic, <laughs> even if we don't want to say it's psychotic? But, but yeah. you know, obviously, if there is a significant mental problem there, and we get back to my dad who says, liberate your mind from mental slavery, and this is it. Oh, my is. been enslaved by the propaganda of this system that, how shall I say, that that, that um, spreads the, the propaganda that this is the way human being should behave.
0: And, you know, I found the formal education.
2: Objectively. (laughs) It's the way humans should not behave. How can you try to achieve peace? By creating war and killing people. I mean, you have to be peace. You have to put peace on the table. You can't put war on the table and then think you're going to come away with peace. Again, that's crazy. You know, we have so many of these crazy things, you know, and, and if you look at the young people today and you see what they're doing, you know, many are committing suicide or they're, they're shooting people, you know, and they don't know what to do with themselves. Why? Because they've been brought up, you know, with the TV or they've been brought up with the cell phone. As, as you and I know that they, they sit around and all, all they're doing is that their only companion is that cell phone. And what's on the cell phone? It's games or porn or, or or some other nonsense that's influencing their minds. Definitely violent. So the whole socialization uh, is, is, is deviant in terms of what it, what it teaches in, in terms of what a human being should be. Yes. And, and, and you know, the, the, the other thing about it is that um, there's a lack of understanding on quote their part, but also on our part, um, that we are natural products.
1: Mm.
2: We are products of nature,
1: mm. and,
2: and nature is 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 one, but it's a oneness that is a oneness in diversity. So that the diversity is interconnected, and intercommunicates, and we're created that way. So true. We're created to manifest what we're created as. Just just like the, the the oak grows from the seed. You you put the seed in the soil and you water it and you get a mighty oak tree.
0: Yes.
2: The human being is born and then it manifests those human qualities that are intrinsic. You you don't need to manufacture them. <laughs> They are intrinsic to you as a human being if they're allowed to, to, to develop. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one of the things that 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 is overlooked. That you know, instead and we go back to education and we look at the etymology of the word education, and you know it's extra yes. scary to bring out of. What is it you're <laughs> supposed to bring out of? You're supposed to bring out of that human being that natural spiritual goodness and wonderfulness and creativity that is intrinsic to the human being, mm-hmm. just like the oak tree is intrinsic to the oak seed. But, but that is missing from, from all of these philosophies that, and the people that you mentioned and so on, Kohlberg mm-hmm. and what have you. And, and, and I would say all of them yes. missed to this point completely. They think morals and ethics are, are something that, that that you have to create, and, and that you have to school somebody in, and that you can deviate from by being tricky, yeah, or, or you can deviate from it because the other guy is doing it. You know, like I was watching a movie last night, and 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 um, you know, people were lying and and cheating and stealing and so on. Of course, this was you know the British guys versus versus Russians, and. The, you know with the the, 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 the communists and, and you know the capitalist system and the bad guys and the good guys and the good guys will say well we have to behave like the bad guys because the bad guys are doing it you know <laughs> a rationalization that you know you can get around the, the, the system because it's a system that has been created and you know I and think then that's we go into this whole business now let's change the system. And, and, and a lot of us look and say, well, we need a revolution or we must change the system that must change. We need to change the individual. We need to go back to what is the individual and the individual, when what is individual is educated or brought out of the individual, this then you'll true. have the system that, that, that you need. It's, it's not going to be by an external revolution that sits down and change the system and so on and says, okay, now we have a better system. Let's, this looks good on paper. Let's go out there and behave this way.
0: You know, when we realize our oneness as a collective, um, a collective diversity mm-hmm. and we become mindful of how we treat our oneness and our diversity, we don't allow the kind of missocialization that's so commonplace. I remember early on when people were doing research on television and the concern was, well, now you're programming people with unfiltered Mm -hmm. information that's going into their unconscious, if not conscious, and it will play out, it's energy. It's not just gonna dissipate, it's now stuck there and it's gonna become a driver at some point until somebody does some sort of critical analysis or there's a discussion most times there's not and so now rather than move toward a system where we now teach people to think critically and deeply and become self-reflective we just bombard people with even more so social media now is really really playing a trick on people um putting out images that um are leading to what we're seeing which is increased suicide among children and young young adults and mass killings and just all kinds of insanity, if you will, because the intellectual development and capacity of the larger social context or the cultural context of that cultural worldview does not allow support of those things needed to bring out the best in the human, it, it really serves to bring out the worst mm-hmm. of, of uh, the human condition and really socializes people to move from their lower consciousness because of the materialism and pain and pleasure principle that you spoke of.
2: And what is interesting about that too is, is, is the psychology and, 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 and the general society um, changes definitions. And quotes enlarges freedoms <laughs> to accommodate dysfunctions, things that yes. are dysfunctional. Yes. So now we have, oh, that's that's now acceptable. And, you know, I mean, skirts used to be at the ankle, then they're below the knee, then they're above the knee. And now <laughs> you wear a skirt, you wear a, a bikini or whatever it is, and that's acceptable. <laughs> you know. And um, we won't even get into the whole gender business, but we know that that goes from left to right and everything in between is, quote, acceptable because we live in a free democratic society where all you have to do is rename it, you know, and and, and then it, somehow it becomes acceptable. Yeah. And our psychologists, um, they are busy about making people comfortable within the society as it exists. Mm -hmm. So So that's what uh, they're, shall we say, manipulating the psyche so that it it is at ease with the contradictions (laughs) and, and with the fear and with the anxiety and with the desire and with the greed and all of these things that develop based on the systemic Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in, in a materialistic direction yeah. where, there's, where there's, there's really no value system because the value system changes, changes every day.
0: None. And the psychics then
2: help you to accommodate to the changes in the value system.
0: Absolutely true. In fact, it, uh, uh, they call it democratic sanity. If most people do it, then it's healthy or it's I like okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that probably would be true. I, if I, I, there was
2: as, you, as you were saying, it's a matter of opinion, right? It's if, if not that, that this is the way it is. It's the opinion. It's my opinion that this is right. There's no such thing as truth. No. If, if eight people say this is true, then it must be true. It must be That's true. A, it's a statistical truth. It's no longer a moral truth or an absolute truth. It's a statistical truth.
0: It is. Well, think about it. political correctness is a thing. (laughs) Nobody's worried about being morally correct as long as I'm politically correct or as I look correct, then, then it's okay. And I think what's so troublesome to me, Dr. Garvey, is how we as African people who come from a very different tradition just get so sucked in, not realizing that these people who we're chasing after to become like, to be accepted and equal to, have started out from the wrong place. There's there's never been a time when this uh, so-called democracy has been based on truth. It started with a lie, <laughs> mm-hmm. a lie of black inferiority, the lie that uh, black people were less than human, the lie that they are the moral leaders of, of the universe. Mm-hmm. Anything starting on a false foundation um, that ontological premise about the nature of reality itself, nothing nothing can be built on that that is going to be solid, that's going to lead to yeah. mm-hmm. humanity's upliftment
1: mm-hmm. and
0: evolution in the right direction. It just cannot. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard because now the if you're part of the formal educational system, you're probably not going to be exposed to how that's a fallacy. Uh, you're probably going to get just the opposite. You're going to get the idea. Oh, <laughs> you should fight to become equal, <laughs> uh, and in actuality, you should fight to elevate those who are in leadership to become equal to you.
1: The
2: the the the, the flip side of, of it is, and and that's why, if it's continued for so long, that. That, that trying to escape or to be different from this, the system that valorized um, um, uh, their punishments. Um, when, when you speak out and you say, I'm not going along with the system or I believe the system uh, is not beneficial for me, I'm creating my own system or I'm, I'm basing my behavior on a different way from what you are, and I have these particular reasons, and so on and so forth, then you're either marginalized or you you you, you, you are, um, you know, um, sought out uh, for punishment. And this is true over and, over and over, and of course, the maximum punishment is assassination. Now, we know that has happened to so many of our leaders, you know, Martin Luther King and, 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 and so many others. And of course, it happens to people in the street all the time. But definitely those who stand up and say, you know, I think the system should change. And that's where Martin Luther King, of course, got in trouble. You know, it was bad enough that he was, um, um, you know, uh, trying to deal with civil rights. But when he talked about the atrocities that were being committed overseas in terms of Vietnam, <laughs> and, and, that. And, and, and that the treasure of the nation was being wasted, over there instead of dealing with the problems that were at home and were systemic and went right back to the founding of the nation. And therefore we all had a business to transform the society, not to accept it as it is and try to influence other people overseas. That was a bit much for the system to tolerate. So the system did away with it. Um, And of course, I don't know that we know the truth and we never know the truth of so many of these things because, you know, if it, it happened to Malcolm and, and so on. And of course, they're able to get rid of my dad um, <laughs> in in terms of, of, of false charges and, and imprisonment and then um, a deportation. So, you know, they find ways to, to, to marginalize you or to destroy you. And um, certainly within this country, you know, it, it has been the FBI and there's the CIA and there's of agencies that do these things, the Dirty Tricks departments. So that's why it's so hard for us to really stand on our, on our own two feet and be independent in terms of our identity of who we are as a people and talk about, you know, the African-American being essentially a nation within a nation. Mm-hmm. The Indian nation is a nation within the nation of America you know of course you know they're they're in in um in basically in prison in their own country shall we say um, but they do have a national identity some of them hold on to it um you know those of us who consider ourselves an african american nation in and of itself with with, with an identity um again those people have been marginalized, those people have been attacked because you stand out from what's considered the norm and the system feels as if it's being attacked. And this is true within the country and it's true outside of the country. And that's that's why the country is continually at war. It's at war internally and it's at war externally. And there can never be peace.
0: That's true.
2: Because it always wants to uh, do away with anybody who has a different opinion, and the reason for that is the insecurity of the identity as the ego, because ego has no basis. No, it's just a thought. It's a conceptual. It's an idea of self as as as, as an ego, as, as me versus you, or or as, as, as me separate and apart from a thing. It, it is us, us, or me versus them. It's if, if just an idea in the in the mind. The, 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 the truth.
0: So that's why you can get people to buy into the idea there is no truth. If I can get you to believe a thing, then it's true. And it, and in this social context, that's been the reality. If I can get you to believe in, in it, If I can get you to believe your worth and value is how you look, your skin color, where you live, your income, your education, your position, if I can get you to believe that and I can control your access to those things, I control you. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And the price, the ultimate price, as you point out, if you speak out against that has historically been death. And I think that's, um, again, another reason to look at this alternate optimal construction of reality in the wisdom tradition of our ancestors, who understood there is no death. You can kill my body, but you can't kill my spirit, my soul, and I will be back. I will be back. And I love what your father said, Look for me in the whirlwind, it's me, I will be back. So somehow, the only way to transcend the control and the fear that they have sought deliberately to instill is to transcend the consciousness that they've also tried to instill, which is you are this individual form, this ego, and once it's gone, you're gone. No. Again, the height of their science says seemingly that soul, that spirit, that consciousness, which you have in the body, is with you before you're born. And it's with you after your body's gone. So, we just—it's going to be very hard for people to just break out of that false ontological premise that reality is essentially a five-sense phenomena. No, reality is a spiritual phenomena, an energy phenomena. Energy does not, and cannot, be destroyed; it can only be transformed.
2: Yeah, you know, um, I, I think what you must have said is, is of prime importance in terms. So I'm getting from step one to step two, meaning that um, the, 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 the consciousness, our consciousness has been conditioned to believe in the, in the system and the rewards of, of, of the system. And we we have to, to break out of that consciousness. And we have to understand basically that there are two consciousnesses. And, and it's interesting, you know, our ancestors speak of them as ausar and Osset. Those are the, the two consciousnesses. ausar is basically the, the consciousness that connects us to the universal consciousness, to God, to the one consciousness. And Osset is the consciousness that connects us to the, the physical world, and that can get conditioned because it is basically set that ends up conditioning mind meaning creating ego, as, as well as what we call mind in the smaller sense um meaning that that which um, perceives things and labels things and and, and give them names and, and, and compares things and so on so in in order then to 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 get to outside to get to that universal consciousness, which is truly who we are. We have to decondition the consciousness that has been conditioned. And again, there's a system that was started, you know, 6,000 years ago. And um, it has been around the world and in many places. It's called Buddhism or it's called the the Samkhya philosophy or it's called Taoism. Uh, etc and as a matter of fact it's even called christianity but of course it has come to us in um distorted you know, through historical circumstances cultural transmissions linguistic transmissions and so on so those of us who are are who have been brought up christian and and um identify with that need to understand the source for their Christianity and need to understand how Christianity has changed from its source through the Gnostics of the Greek or Roman Hebrew times, and and has come to us through the West, through Rome, through England, and, and, and through American evangelism. and and has come to us and and we have accepted it. We need to go back through it and and deconstruct it to to see the roots, because the roots are in Africa.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Jim. In fact, one of the most interesting um, studies I've been involved in has been tracing um, the language from the Egyptian constructions to the, um, what would it be, the Jewish, the um, what am I? Oh, the Kabbalah, to say?
2: the Hebrew Kabbalah.
0: Yeah, the Hebrew, yeah. <laughs> and then to the Latin, and mm-hmm. all up to the English. And what you find is that with each translation, what's left is left out is the divine feminine, mm. because Aset mm-hmm. uh raised Heyru <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to become a mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so that her role. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her awareness to do that then is translated in ancient text. Mm -hmm. But once the Hebrew text comes along, they still acknowledge the feminine, but by the time it gets translated into Latin, much less English, it's gone. It's male. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: That feminine, um, and I'm not, thinking of feminine as being restricted to women all human beings have masculine and feminine energies and principles but the idea that that consciousness which is divine first manifest in the end awareness at least according to the nubian comedic text from the feminine from the female is to be lost Uh, or should not, cannot be lost. Because what we're up against now is the clear white male patriarchy that is total deception and manipulation and ego.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, the feminine, of course, is there at at the birth of of the universe. Amun, Mut, and Konju. Mut is the mother of the world. Yes. And Amun is the father of the world. And Khonshu is, is a whole universe that was created by this mother of, of the world. And, you know, um, the thing is that um, we, it, is, it is difficult, it, it, it's hard work, but each of us has a responsibility for, for our own, you might almost well, you might say salvation, <laughs> or you can use the word enlightenment, or you can use the word liberation. Um, because it it has to be done individually and it has to be done by the individual. And again, we go back to my father saying that, you know, um, nobody but yourself can free your mind. Nobody can free it for you. So you cannot create a system that can liberate your mind. Whatever system is created, you still are the one that has to liberate your mind. Like we have talked about basically an Afrocentric system that's out there, it's been there for 6,000 years. But there's no way you can rub it on top of your head or inject it into your your body or something like that and then it, it changes you or your mind and you become a different person. No. It's your responsibility. And how do you do that? You have to look at your mind. In other words, it's self-inquiry. That's where you get down to. Uh, it's self-knowledge. You have to develop self-knowledge. You can only develop self-knowledge through self-inquiry. And then you, you have to have self-discipline, you have to have self-control and, um, until you get to that stage where you understand yourself. Yes. And it's understanding. It's not the kind of book knowledge that we're talking about. That's the point mm-hmm. I'm trying to make. It's mm-hmm. not about necessarily just reading a book on whatever the system is, whether it's a Christianity or, or the Old Testament or Hebrew uh, book or, or, or Buddhist book or Taoist book or whatever. It's not about just reading a, a book. It's, a, it's about that process. Of understanding of of, of, of self-inquiry, self-knowledge and self-insight and therefore self-understanding. Which kind is of the process that each one of us has to undertake. Yes.
0: It's kind of where we started with this notion of educore and being human. We're born with the connect. We came with the connection. It's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's our true identity, it's who we really are. It's just that it's been hidden from us from By a social context that wants us to believe we're something Mm -hmm. else that's not that. So I always suggest, based on optimal psychology, be still and know. Yeah. Sit down, get quiet, be still, contemplate Mm -hmm. that divinity within you, and let it lead you. It's powerful. It's a powerful instructor, educator, and leader. And um, while when you, when you go about it that way, Dr. Garvey, my experience has been, it's not you alone,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it is you at one with all that is.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's such a shift because then you're not constantly looking outside yourself to read something or be told something, what you're finding is there's knowing you have, and you might look around and be happy that somebody else knows it, too, or someone else has written about it, or someone else is affirming what you've known. But it, it's more of an inside-out process than an outside-in.
2: Absolutely true. Absolutely true. It, it is an inside-out process, but um, as we've been saying, most of us live on the outside. In other words, we're superficial people who deal with things out there that are brought to us by our senses and we deal with those things. And we we have very little, if if, if any, internal <laughs> dialogue with ourselves. and, and this is what we're, we're talking about. Now, you know, I think this can be done um, systematically in terms of you, you might almost say, Uh, uh, intellect in terms of self-inquiry, in terms of understanding what mind is and how mind functions. That's very much almost an intellectual process in terms of looking at oneself. Um, It can also be done um, not so much intellectually, but shall we say at the conscious energetic level, which I think is what you have just been talking about. And that's why there are different strokes for different folks because some people find it easier to do one thing or another thing. There are also other processes, such as, you know, what what, what has been called tantra, in in terms of of, of Buddhist um, spirituality, you know, meaning that you do a lot of visualization, etc., to get you to where you want to be, uh, and, you know, and the visualization, shall we say, is symbolic. Of, of what it is that you're you're trying to, to to accomplish in terms of your own internal you know dialogue. You you're seeing yourself as how you want to be. That's what the visualization process is, so that you're sort of short circuiting it um, as opposed to simply looking at yourself um, where you are at the present time and and you know dismantling that. Uh, um, in 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 terms of, of a deconstructive process, and, and then over time, you get to where you you know you want to be, or where you should be, or or where you actually are without knowing it. <laughs> as, as you mentioned before, the the problem is not so much who we are; it's just that we have forgotten who we are, or we have not known who we are because we have been deceived in terms of thinking that we're we are this or we're that or we should be this or we should be that and we should accumulate this and that's our identity. No, We have an identity that's intrinsic, but we have not known it or we have forgotten it and it has been covered over. And then the process that we're talking about now is, is unpacking who we, we really are and getting rid of all of these conditioned mental, uh, psychic, uh, um, additions um, to our transformations to our, our basic consciousness energy that we are as an entity which is a universal entity that is manifesting on the physical plane through us as a physical human being.
0: So very true. And you know, however you get there, Just get there
2: if you can. (laughs) By bus, by train, by plane. No question how you can walk. (laughs) Bicycle.
0: (laughs) And so we're just wanting to create the space where people can think about Mm -hmm. all the different ways to get to who we really are so we can really be and fulfill the potential that we came to fulfill. And I am so grateful to you for this conversation, and we'll look forward to a conversation again next week as we as try we, to we go back.
2: further down the trail to find. Yes,
0: out. yes.
2: yes. <laughs> Appreciate it, Linda.
0: Yes, thank you all so very much. Thank <laughs> you.